funeral this Friday for a, a lady uh, who uh, early 60s. Uh, her name was Margot, back in charge. She's part of a, a mental health group that I was uh, involved with for a short while. Don't know that she was a believer. Not normally the thing that you want to do, is it, to take uh, funerals in those situations. But I knew, knew quite a few of the people there, and they'd, they knew as I was sort of a vicar, so they asked me if I'd uh, take the funeral. Funerals, of course, one of those occasions, isn't it, when people, one of those perhaps rare occasions when people actually think about the future. They think, is there, what is there after death? Is there anything after death. And people who don't seem to have any religious convictions, any, any faith, uh, say some of the most amazing things, strange things. At the end of this funeral, and uh, Gordon this earlier on, I had to do something which I haven't done in a funeral before and probably won't have to do again. I had to lead the singing of the Morecambe and Wise song, Bring Me Sunshine. Uh, I'd not sung that song for a long time. Trouble is, I haven't been able to get it out of my head ever since singing it on. And uh, I didn't do the dance, I have to say. I did just lead the singing of uh, Bring Me Sunshine. And people, one of the people then said, she said, I bet, I bet Margot's having a, looking down on us and having a laugh. And I thought, well, I hope she is, but I don't know that. And someone else said, I think Margot might be singing with the angels now. People say, people who have no faith start talking as if there is a life after death. Why is that? Many cultures have an expectation of life after death. Why is that? Is it just that we have to believe that there is something else after this life? Is it that something has been programmed into us to, 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 to think that actually we weren't just made for here and now, for the temporary, but we were made for something much, much more? And so I watched as people dropped the flowers into the tomb, into the grave. I watched as people cried. And I thought, what are you thinking? What do you know? What do you believe? Last week we thought about the two women, didn't we, at the tomb of briefly as part of the service. We thought about the two women at, at, who'd gone to Jesus' tomb where, they'd, where he was buried after he's taken down after the cross. And um, they, uh, and I guess, I wonder what they were thinking. I guess it was very deep, dark thoughts about what was going on. But then we also read, didn't we, that, that when they went back to the tomb, this time the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. And very shortly afterwards, Mary met Jesus, the one who she'd seen hanging on that cross with his bruised, beaten, distorted body, was there in front of her, in, in, in the flesh. And we re- went on, didn't we, to, to think, or think how he met with other disciples in various places. He, he met with them, he walked and talked with them, he, they touched him. He cooked, he, he made a fire, he cooked breakfast for them, he ate fish with them. And it was Jesus. Jesus in the flesh. The Jesus they knew. And yet also, 
a very different Jesus. And shortly afterwards, a few weeks later, they saw that Jesus literally ascend, rise. And uh, the angel said he was going to a place, a place called heaven. So Peter, after Pentecost, he stood up, didn't he, in Acts chapter 2. And part of what he said was this. He said, his body did not see decay. And God has raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of the fact. And where is he now? He is now exalted at the right hand of the Father. That's what they believed. So what does resurrection mean for us? What does it, what does it tell us? What, would it, what, does it, what does it say to those people who were at the graveside on Friday? What should it say? What should the resurrection of Jesus mean? I'm just going to take two things. Now, I could look at lots of passages this morning, but we don't have time. But if you want some other texts to back up what I'm saying, feel free to come and speak to me afterwards. Because you may not agree entirely with what I say. I do believe this is what Scripture teaches. Otherwise, I wouldn't be saying it now. But if you, do, if you think differently or if you, want to, if you want to discuss, then do feel free to come and do that. Of course, I'll be right and you'll be wrong, but th- that's, that's all right, isn't it? I'm just going to look at two verses in Philippians chapter 3. You might want to turn to them. And I haven't got the church Bibles, and I don't know what page it is. Just forgive me, but if you... Uh, Ephesians, sorry, not Ephesians, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, page 1180. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. And we're going to just base everything around these two verses this morning. It really cuts in on the middle of an argument, but um, forgive me, Paul, for doing this. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What does the resurrection mean for us? Well, first, which we're not going to talk about at all, you could say it means that Jesus will return because the one who went will also come back. But that's the subject in itself, and we're not going to think about that this morning, although it's a great subject. What does his resurrection mean? His resurrection, according to this verse and many other verses, his resurrection means our resurrection. He will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And there's that clear Bible teaching, isn't there, that because Jesus has been raised from the dead... We also will be raised from the dead. You can't argue with that one. I won't accept any discussion on that point. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, we will also be raised from death to new life. That is the clear teaching of Scripture. And why is that? Why is that? Because for those of us who've who've been united with Jesus in his death, who've said, Yes, Jesus, I recognize that this death was for me, for my sins. He says we will also be united with him in his resurrection. That is a promise to each of us. However much we let the Lord Jesus Christ down at times, however much we disappoint both ourselves and him, that is a promise to us. 
that if we are united with him in his death, we will be united with him in his resurrection. There is life after death. When we go, we go to be with Christ. Why? Because he wants us to be with him. I think one of the most wonderful verses in the Bible is the end of John's prayer, uh, Jesus' prayer in John 17. It says, I want those, and I sort of, Mike sort of touched on this when he was praying, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory. I want them. I want them to be with me. I want them to be with me forever. That's how much I love them. And to see my glory. When we, go, when we die, we go to be with Christ. And that's why Paul was ready to die, wasn't it? We read earlier on in Philippians, he says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. I'm actually ready to die. <laughs> in fact, God, I'd rather die. I'd rather you take me now. But if I must stay here to do what you want me to do, then I'm willing to stay. But he was ready to die. He was actually looking forward to it. I'm not saying, I don't know whether, well, you can think about that. There is life after death. But that is not actually what I'm talking about. You see, if Paul was to die and go and depart and be with Christ, where would his body be? Well, it would be stuck in some tomb or somewhere else, wouldn't it? That's life after death. But the Bible promises us life after life after death. It promises that our bodies will not just lie there, but that they will be transformed. There is a resurrection of our bodies whether they are decomposed in a grave or whether they've been confirmated and turned into a pile of dust, the Bible promises me that my body, my body will be transformed and my body will be raised and my body will become like his glorious body. You see, the future is not about for us. Our future is not about us floating around as some bodiless spirit in heaven, sort of singing, sort of praising, whatever else. Our future is that our bodies will be with his body, they will be physical, and I believe they will be here on the earth when heaven comes to this earth. We're not going to be floating around, we're going to be walking, we're going to be talking, we're going to be eating, we're going to be doing, we're going to be enjoying, we're going to be celebrating, we're going to be creating, I believe, because that's how God has made us to be, with him, and resurrected bodies. That is what scripture, I believe, teaches and promises. Let's look at what Paul says about these resurrection bodies in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 to 44. If you want to turn to it, and it is page, somebody will shout it out loud in a minute. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42. The whole chapter is about the resurrection, isn't it? The resurrection. Sorry? 1157. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it will be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body, says Paul. So now you've got bodies that perish. 
Now you've got a body that perishes. It wears out. It ticks, the clock ticks down. Everything starts to wear out. It happens from about age 18 onwards, so that applies virtually to all of us. One exception I can see there. But for the rest of us, you're on the downhill. Whether you like it or not, that is, that is truth. Your body will wear out. The second law of thermodynamics applies. Everything deteriorates. And don't we know it? But then, you're going to have a body that is imperishable. It will not be affected by age or disease or anything else. The second thing he says is that your body is now dishonored. It's now dishonored. We live in a culture, don't we, where we celebrate and honor people's bodies. Wow, look at, look at her, I have to say that. Or look at him. We spend a fortune. We've got a culture that sort of does that, doesn't it, on recognizing people's bodies, thinking how wonderful they are. As somebody said to me, what will they look like in 50 years' time? Even if they're not in the box, what will they look like in 50 years' time? Our bodies now are dishonored, but then they will be glorious. Then they will be glorious. The end of the process is glory. Glorification, that is the end of the process. You can look at that in Romans 8.31, you know, where he talks, Paul says how we've been predestined, then we've been called, then we've been justified. What's the end? Glorified. That's what he says our end is. It's not talking about Jesus then, it's talking about us. He's saying we will end up glorified. What will you look like? Maybe you will have faces that are so bright that, that you just wouldn't be able to look at them now. There's every reason for thinking that as you think about Moses and the transfiguration. You can think of one or two other things as well. C.S. Lewis wrote, I can't have a sermon without quoting from C.S. Lewis, as you already realize. Remember, he says this, remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw it now, you would be tempted, strongly tempted, to worship. He's talking about people, what they will become in the future. Glorious. And Paul goes on. We're now weak. The body is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. We are limited. I can't even read the instructions now on the back of so many of these packets. The print is obviously getting smaller. I now have great difficulty taking the lids off jars. They're obviously tightening them ever, 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 ever more tight. I am weak. I'm limited. But one day I'll be powerful. One day I will be powerful. I don't know what I'll be like, but that's what this verse says. Raised in power. Lastly, we'll, it says we'll have a spiritual body. Now we've got a natural body that's subject to all the characteristics of our human nature, fallen human nature. Then I'll have a spiritual body. It's not, not a spirit. It says a spiritual body. The word is not about spirit in, the, in that sense of that sort of spirit. 
then I'll have a body that's wholly responsive to the Holy Spirit. I will want to do and will do all that God wants me to do. And he goes on, because we're going to have a body like this. The Corinthians said, how could this happen? How can, how can that body that's been in that grave, how can it become like that? And Paul says, I don't know in a sense, and I don't know. But he did say, you look at, look at things like seeds. The seed becomes a flower. The seed doesn't look anything like a flower. And, you could, and he makes other illustrations to his point. We don't know how God will do this, but it says that this will happen. Journey Erickson Tarda, the lady who was paralyzed when she was just in her late teens, said this. She said, somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. I'm convinced that if there are mirrors in heaven, and why not, the image I'll see will be unmistakably Joni, although a much better, brighter Joni. That is God's promise for each of us. Whatever our bodies are like now, whatever they're becoming, that is not the end. You are promised in Christ a glorious body like his. That's absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? His resurrection, first of all, means our resurrection. And secondly, we could talk about, by the way, that, that I believe that all will be raised, the Bible teaches. Jesus said, didn't he, those that were raised, who've, he said, who've lived good lives, but we t- that's through faith in him, they'll be raised to life. Those who have not are raised to judgment. But all will be raised. But in Christ, we have a wonderful resurrection. The second thing the resurrection means is the renewal of all things. In those verses in Philippians we read, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Everything is going to come under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, when he was preaching his second sermon in Acts chapter 3, says this to those people who are listening. He, Jesus, must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore all things as he promised long ago through the prophets. Restore all things. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about restoring uh, a painting, not that I do any of it, I'm, no, I'm hopeless, I can't restore anything, but if you were to restore a painting or a, 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 a car or, or a building, if you restore a building, what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't knock it down and build a new one. If you're restoring something, you seek to take that building back to what it originally was, the way it was originally made. That's what restoration is. And Peter, has hit, Peter there when he's preaching, says, God is going to restore all things. He's going to take them back to how they were meant to be. What's the all things? Well, I think it's all things. But it certainly includes this earth and this creation. In Romans chapter 8, which is a chapter to read about this whole subject, it talks about creation waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. That's us in our new resurrected bodies. Creation is waiting for that to happen. And when it happens, what's going to happen then? It says, the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the children of God. As we are resurrected, creation, the earth is resurrected and renewed and restored 
to what God intended it to be. That is what is working. That is God's great plan. Again, it's not something floating around in heaven. This is renewed earth. Renewed as God intended it to be. Renewed so that we will live on it and walk on it and be in it with him in the way that he always planned it should be. God's purposes cannot be thwarted. His, his ways cannot be stopped. God will do what he always intended to do. I don't know how, but he will do it because he is God. This world will be liberated and then it will be restored. What will it look like? Well, I don't know, but there are clues, and I think we're meant to use our imagination. You see, the Bible talks about cities and streets and trees and rivers and parties and food and music and dancing. You think those are just pictures? Maybe they are. But why, are they not, why should they not be true pictures of what the new world will be like? And people that will be there that we know. There will be people there that we've lost and, and we're now back with them. There will be people that we don't know because they lived in other countries or in other centuries. But they're there. So I'll be able to go up to C.S. Lewis and I'll tap him on the shoulder and say, C.S. Lewis, you didn't get it quite right, did you? You wrote some great books and you inspired me, but maybe it wasn't quite, it wasn't quite there, was it? And I'm sure he'll pat me on the back and we'll have a laugh together or whatever else. And there'll be people that I'll be able to go and thank that I didn't thank in this life because of the, the, the way they impressed, the, 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 impressed me in good ways. I had the story of a man who was uh, speaking somewhere. No, he wasn't speaking. He had a knock on his front door. Knock on his front door and uh, when he opened the door there was this little Indian man at the front door. N not that all Indians are little but this was a little Indian man. And he opened the door and this little Indian man had got a suitcase. And he said, uh, he said my name's um, whatever, Peter. And he said, yeah, I don't think I know you. He said, no, you may not, he said. You've never seen me before. But I'm Peter, the one that you sponsored as a child in India. And because of your sponsorship, I've uh, I got an education. I went to university. I've got a good job. And because of your sponsorship, I've been able to support my family and my parents. And he said, I've come specially. He gave him a little uh, tea set that was in the case as a thank you. And maybe in heaven, people will come to you and say, thank you. You didn't know me. You never saw me. You never met me. But because of you and your generosity or whatever else, I just want to say thank you. So it's going to be a wonderful place. What will it be like to be there? Well, there's no words that can describe how wonderful it will be. Can you imagine being re reunited with your loved ones? Can you imagine being in a place where there's, as we've already heard, where there's no, there's no pain? There's no suffering, there's no separation, there's no death. Can you imagine what it would be like to celebrate? Those are going to be some celebrations. And the celebrations go on forever. They're not just like that. This is for eternity. And the best thing of all is that you'll see Jesus face to face. You, want to walk, you said you want to walk the earth with Jesus. Well, this, you will walk the earth with Jesus. 
And you'll do what no one else on earth has been able to do. You'll be able to see him and you'll be able to look at his face. His glorious face because you are also now able to do that. Because he's changed you so that you can be with him. On that new place. And we'll love him. And worship him. And we'll serve him. Gladly. Gladly. The resurrection means that we have, means our resurrection. The resurrection means that all things will be restored to how God intended them to be. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And if you believe it, how will you live? How will your life now show that you believe that that is true? (coughs) Are you eagerly waiting for his return? Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Bring this world, this sad, sorry world to an end. Bring, Bring new life. Would it have an effect on our priorities? Our desires? Would you be more interested in storing up treasure in heaven rather than on earth? Would you, would you really be focused on letting as many other people know so they could joy, enjoy that with you? Would it encourage you to pray more for his kingdom to come on earth? as in heaven? Would it encourage you to keep going when you feel like giving up? When you look around at other Christians and you think, oh, what a, what a shower. <laughs> what a disappointment. Would it encourage you to say, no, there may be a disappointment, but God will not disappoint. You see, I believe God has placed within each one of us a desire for eternal life. That's the way that we're made. There's something within us, which is why our cultures all reflect it in different ways, that says we were made for more than this. We're made for more than this. We are made for so much, much more than this. God promises us life after life after death. May we see that more clearly. May we encourage one another more about these things. And may we more, ever more, live in the truth of these things. We ask it in Jesus' name.